Good morning. How are you today? Good to see everyone. Let's stand together. Lord, we lift you in this place today. We magnify you. We glorify you, oh God. Let our praise rise to you, oh God. Receive our praise, Lord. Help us, oh God, to lift you up. And praise is rising. Eyes are turning to you. We turn to you. We turn to you.
Cause when we see you, we find strength to face the day. Thank you, Lord. And in your presence, all our fears are washed In your presence, oh God. In your presence. Cause when we see you, we find strength to face the day. Hallelujah, louder than the 
I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder. You're going to hear my praises roar. Some of you are about to get it, okay? I believe some of you are about to get it. I believe it. Some of you are about to get it. Louder and louder. We're going to let the devil know we're praising God no matter what. And when we go through rough times, when it gets difficult, the praise comes more. It's got to come more. If it don't, you're going to go down. We don't want to go down. We want to go up, all right? Let's give him praise. And I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roll. Up from the ashes, hope will arise. Death is defeated, the king is alive. And I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Continue to worship. 
You can remain standing if you'd like, <laughs> or sit, whichever you'd like to do. Good morning. My name is Sanja Kemp. I was a knight before I got married. Grew up in this church many years ago, but I've been gone 45 years. <laughs> and sometimes mother will say, do you know so-and-so? No, mom, that was after my time. But I see many familiar faces that I still know and still love. And this morning, I've been asked to sing, and so I've got my sister and my cousin's wife here to join with me. You know, in the day and time that we live in today, it is very important what we believe. There's all kinds of things that we're bombarded with daily, different ways of looking at life, different beliefs, but when you know the truth, you stand on it. And no matter what you may hear from other sources, if it doesn't match up, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, we don't believe it. We're not going to accept it. We're not going to receive it. We're not going to embrace those thoughts. So this morning we're going to sing a song about what happens when we believe for it, the true word of God. Mm. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break. Oh, but they don't know you like we do. There is Thank you. 
talks about the power of your name. That's not talking about just anybody. That's talking about the name of Jesus Christ. And the one with all power said, you may have tribulation in this world. You will have troubles. You will have trials. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That he said that no matter what you face in this life, lo, I am with you always. Do you believe it? Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Can we give God praise in this house today? Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Beautiful song, beautiful song. Can you believe God for it today? Can you believe God for it today? To him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything that we could ever ask or that we could ever even dream or think possible. That's the God that you serve today. If I had to title today, uh, as I was getting ready this morning, I thought to myself, I just can't shake it. This word, and that's kind of funny, pun intended, considering that shake is in the title here. But I couldn't shake it. I felt like God was speaking, saying, I just want to shake this place. I'm just going to kind of just just go with the flow here, and I'm just going to try to preach to you what, what I'm feeling today. If you have your Bibles, in the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verse 10 through 11 is what I want to read to you this morning. Father, I thank you for your powerful word today. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm asking you that in this place today you would do something that only you can do. It is beyond my capabilities, it is beyond my talents, it is beyond my power to do so in myself. I need your anointing, I need your touch. I need you to come in this place. I need you to anoint every word that I speak. Let it be seasoned with salt, anointed by the Holy Spirit. 
that the hearer's ears would be anointed as well to receive what you were trying to say to us today from the pulpit to the back door. Speak to your people and fill your house with your glory. In the name of Jesus, somebody say amen. Let's go to verse 10. The Bible reads, And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Go back to verse 10. I'm going to look at that one more time. The city was moved, and they said, Who is this? When you look in different versions of the Bible, there's different terminologies and words that are inserted in that particular spot where the word moved is used. In one version, it says that the city was stirred. In one, it says the whole city was shaken. In mine, it says the whole city was moved. Today, in light of what I'm preaching, I want to go more with that, it's shaken. Because I want to talk on a topic entitled, Shake This Place. I think sometimes that we fail to realize and to understand the God that we serve. Amen? We fail to recognize who He is. When we realize who God is, I don't care how big your problem is, it becomes tiny. I don't care how hopeless your situation is. When we view God through heaven's lens, if we can get out of our flesh for just a few minutes, and it's hard to do sometimes, but if we can get out of our flesh and if we can just be like Gehazi or the servant of Elisha that he said just open up his eyes that he can see what I see. If we could just have a God moment right now and tap into the spirit world and let God give us just one glimpse of who he really is. Everything in our life would change drastically and immediately when we realize who this God is. There's Mohammed. We've got Allahs. We've got all the, we've got Buddhas. We've got all these other gods, right? We believe there is one God. And that is the creator of all things, right? Jehovah God, Yahweh God. That's who we believe in. Today, if I were to tell you the power of Satan, right? Do you not see the work of darkness in the earth? Do you not see that Satan is working? He is giving it everything he's got, 100%, 110% actually. He is trying his best to, to attack our young people more than he ever has before. He's doing it right now in this generation. We are in a pandemic, folks, an epidemic of sorts where Satan is warring against the mind and he's battling against the soul. He is trying to turn a generation away from God. He is trying to make a generation question if there even is a God. Oh God. I, it, it's getting on me today. It is getting, oh, I feel it strong. I gotta calm down. See, I want you to understand something. If we were to take Satan today and we were to talk about how powerful he is and he really is in the sense, go ahead and start my time, Nathan. You know how to do that back there? Start that timer back there so pastor won't preach too long today, buddy. I want you, if we were to take Satan, we understand the power that he has, the capability that he has. 
If you and I today were to try to take on Satan one versus one, do you know who would win the fight? Satan's going to win. We don't have the power within ourselves to overcome him. We do not have the power to overcome our addictions and our issues in life. None of us do. There has to be something greater inside of us that is stronger than all of the evil that is working around us. And while I understand that Satan is strong today, I want you to understand that he cannot compare to our God. And there are some things that God possesses, some qualities, some characteristics that the devil, that Buddha, that Mohammed or any other God you want to name possesses. First off, my God is omniscient. Do you understand what the word omniscient means? The word omniscient, this is something that separates him from the rest of the pack. This is what makes our God different than any other God. Omniscient means that he is an all-knowing God. Byron, there is no situation, my friend, that you're going to go through this week that this all-knowing God does not already know about. There is not one tribulation, man, that you are going to face that this all-knowing God isn't already ahead of you and he knew it was coming. And sometimes he prepares us for the next season and we don't even realize what God's doing, but it's because he sees ahead of time. He knows what's about to happen. The devil don't know it. That's why every time we begin to kneel down and pray and talk to Jesus, the devil starts trembling and hell gets, he like, I wasn't, I didn't see that coming. This omniscient God. This God that I serve is omnipotent. What does that mean? He is all powerful. There is nothing my God cannot do to him that is able. He does above and beyond things that we can even think possible. He is omnipresent. What does that mean? That means that this God we serve is awesome, folks. He can be, listen. God don't be, God ain't like, all right, today I'm going to go down to Gap Hill Church of God and I'm going to bless them people. Next week I'm going to hit Gap Hill Baptist down yonder. That's not the way God works. We're having church simultaneously right now. And I'll tell you, that pastor preaches the word too, buddy. I've heard him. I want to tell you something. Right now, the word of God's being preached there. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is working here, just like he is working there. Because God is, an, God is not limited to time and space. He is not limited to one little place and one geographical location. This God that I serve is everywhere. Everywhere. That is why right now we are having church. The Holy Spirit can shake this place, move in our midst. And all the way over yonder in Africa, the power of God could be falling right now because this God is so awesome. He is who we are here to worship today. He is the one that we've come to give glory to. That is your God. So we start off by simply, we don't want to just make, we don't want a setting today, a service today in which I just simply want you to know about him in the room today. Because I do want you to know about him. I'm supposed to tell you about him. He's the savior of the world. He hung on a tree over 2,000 years ago so everybody in this building could have faith in Christ and go to heaven. I want you to know about Jesus today. But I don't want to just bring you to a room 
and tell you about him. I want you to know today that the God I'm preaching about is in this room right now. Watch this. Watch this. I need you not just to know about God. I want you to know that God is present and moving right now today. I want everyone to leave today knowing that God was in the house. You know I'm here. You know the singers are here. You're going to shake people's hands. You know they're here. But my goodness, if we come to church and he isn't in the house, we have missed the point. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to have God in this place. That's who we've got to have. It makes all the difference in the world when God shows up. Matthew 18, 20, you know the verse. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. I am there and you know that I am there. In other words, when God enters a place in the way I'm talking about, there is no doubt he's in the house. I long for more services that we all leave in perfect unison saying God showed up today. I don't like ritualistic church. I don't like going through the motions. If there's anything that I hate, it is just going through the mundane motions. I hate it. I hate when somebody tries to take me and put me in a box and say, this is your space, live there. I'm coming out, I promise you. You ain't putting me, but God, we try to do God that way and we put him in this box. See, I want you to understand something. Saul, y'all remember reading about King Saul? Anybody read about that in your Bible? King Saul was literally king for years. Do you know when he first started, he had the presence of God, the anointing of God. But do you know what happened during the reign of Saul? They lost the presence of God. The enemy came in and the enemy stole the Ark of the Covenant, which was God. The Ark of the Covenant is what they needed to win the battle. You carry the Ark with you because when you have the Ark with you, you have God with you. And if we don't have God with us, we can't win the battle. We've got to have the presence. And so Saul, for years and years, he ruled a kingdom, the greatest kingdom on earth, Jerusalem. He rules there, and the Ark of the Covenant wasn't even in the palace. In other words, the entire nation of Israel was being run without the presence of the Lord. What a shame. How many churches today are being run without the glory of God? How many churches are showing up on a Sunday morning but the ark isn't there? They talk about God. But when it comes to actually feeling God and a presence filling that place that is so strong that we cannot even contain it, where is the glory of God? So Saul has went without God. Finally, God said, I reject you. I can't, you, you you're wicked. He goes to a witch of Endor. You know the story. There's a young boy by the name of David that goes, he's a little shepherd boy. But God had called him. God had anointed him. said, Samuel, you go. You get the ram horn of oil. You pour it on his head. Field. You anoint this young lad. This lad is going to be the anointed one of God. 
It took David years to get to the throne, right? He had to run from Saul. The devil was trying to kill him. But remember, God's greater than the devil. And the devil can have plans for your life, but the will of God is going to prevail in your life. It doesn't matter what the plans of the enemy are for your life. God's got a purpose, and his purpose is going to win. So he's being chased by the devil left and right. And then finally, the day comes that David is able to go to his throne in Jerusalem. And he sits on the throne just like it has been prophesied. That one day from the throne of David, there's a Savior named Jesus. Glory to God. That is going to be born. He sits on his throne. And the first order of business was not, can I have steak and lobster tonight? Hmm. I'll have a massage. Oh, I've never seen a palace so vast. I think I'm going to bed early tonight. No. The first thing he did when he got there, he said, where is the ark? Where's the presence? Where's the glory? Where is God? Amen. I've walked around this vast palace. I have looked for it. I cannot locate it. Maybe y'all misplaced it. To which they had to give him the dreaded news. No, the ark has been stolen out from under us. Can I tell you, I've been in churches that used to have the glory. You go back there today, you can't feel nothing. It is cold, it is dead, it is dried up. And I'm wondering why the ten of them are still meeting. There's no presence. There's no ark to be found. David said, let us go back and get the ark at once because I am not going to try to rule this place without God in the house. Woo! Hallelujah to God. He goes and he gets the ark. I want to tell you something, folks. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I won't pastor without the presence of God. I refuse. If we get cold, dead, dry, and formal, I don't want to pastor in that environment. I don't want that. The God I serve is greater than that. I'm not going to come to church and try to preach and make an embarrassment of the gospel that I'm preaching. I'm not going to do it. If I'm going to preach to you that this God is so great, then bless God, let us feel Him when He begins to move in this house and begins to do what I'm preaching to you today. He can come in and shake the place. Oh, so he goes and he gets the ark. See, the enemy isn't afraid of us. Y'all still with me, right? The enemy is not afraid of you. You're no match. He knows your flesh. He knows how weak you are. He ain't afraid of you. The devil is not afraid of this building today that we call a church. People think, oh, well, it's the church. The devil going to be 100 miles away. No, sometimes he comes and sits on the pews. Sometimes the devil comes right in the middle of our gatherings. He hinders our worship. He preoccupies our mind. We think about everything but the God that we're coming to serve. He leaves on Sunday morning, shakes the preacher's hands and says, Man, I did good today. Jesus. The devil is not scared of us. He is not scared of a church building. But I'm going to tell you what he is afraid of. He's afraid of that ark. He's afraid of that presence. He's afraid of that glory. And David said if we're going to scare the enemy, we can't do it with our own 
presence of God and bring it back to the house of God where it belongs. The enemy will tremble and fear when we come their way. I got to hurry. They tried to move the ark. You remember that story. They tried to roll it. How did they roll it? They rolled it on a cart. Does anybody remember that? Do you know why they put it on a cart? Because a cart was convenient. In our remodeling process, we have a lot of new furniture that came in and different things that we did when we did the offices. And I had this little red utility truck. What you call them things? Little tow truck, hand truck, whatever you want to call them. Me and Brian wore the wheels off that thing. You know why? It was a lot more convenient for us just to pick up one side and lean it back and walk than for me and Brian to try to act like we're muscle builders in there. You got that in, buddy? We ain't studying that. We smarter than that, folks. You may not believe it, but our IQ is three digits. If you're below it, I'm going to give you a few more minutes to process that. But we got that thing and we loaded it on that little cart because it was convenient for us. But see, the ark and the presence, he doesn't come based off of our convenience. He doesn't do things the way that we say you should do things, God. This works out for our schedule. So you do it this way or that way. And I'm like, It's 11.34. At 12 o'clock, man, y'all's stomach's going to be growling. Some of you are already growling. you like me. All you did was drink coffee. You ain't even had any toast. You need food in your body. If I go much after 12 at this rate, I'll faint, and y'all can leave anyhow. <laughs> I got to go. God help me today. It was convenient. There is a problem in convenience. When I say, God, all right, you can move, but God, no. Now, when that, strike, when that clock strikes 12, now it's time for, for us to go. Isn't it amazing sometimes people decide, they're gonna, I told you, I'm just going to preach today, so just, just hold on, let's go. Isn't it amazing sometimes people decide, I'm going to come to the altar and I'm going to pray. And finally, somebody been waiting for weeks and weeks, they finally decide, I'm going to get my breakthrough. They come to an altar. One person comes to help them get touch heaven. Process that for about, you know, five more seconds. They're down here struggling with the forces of hell all along. Oh, they'll be fine. No, they won't. You asked Daniel. When Michael came to him and brought him an answer, he said, I've been fighting principalities and powers. What would happen if somebody would have knelt down with Daniel and said, let's pray together. Maybe we can speed this thing up. Maybe I can get my angel to come help fight. Amen. Don't everybody shout at once. Somebody finally comes. They decide they're going to pray. They're going to get their breakthrough. They're sitting there praying. Oh, man, it's 12.05, and what do we all do? I've done it. You've done it. And I'm sitting here, and as a pastor, sometimes you're thinking, oh, my gosh, there's, there's people just sitting out there. They're staring at me. What am I supposed to do? I'm done preaching. I don't know. I, I'll go pray with them. All right, in the name of Jesus, I'm praying up here and I get up. There. Oh, God, they're still sitting there. What are we going to do? This is what goes on in my little mind. And I'm sitting here thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who cares? Who cares? Because, and I've done it before. I'm like, hey, if you want to leave, guess what? There goes the door. It is unlocked. We have not changed you. We have not bound you today. 
If you want to leave, you leave. But if somebody's got to stay an extra 15, 20 minutes to get their breakthrough, then my gosh, why don't we let them get a breakthrough? It is all about convenience. And if it is not convenient for us, we don't want any part of it. Let's get the card out. Let's roll this ark. It is convenient. It's easier. But see what they knew, and they all knew it, was the ark was not supposed to be rolled on a cart. The ark was supposed to be carried by the priests of Levites. They were supposed to hold one on each other. It's not convenient, folks. It's harder. It's heavier. They're going to breathe a little hard. They're going to every now and then say, you know what? We got to take a little break, David. Can we just stop and breathe for just five minutes? I mean, nobody can say, hey, Jeff, me and you, we'll take our turns. If we're not a part of the Levites, we can't touch the ark. God's already said only the priest can touch this ark. So we can't just say, hey, buddy, we'll fill in. It is not convenient. It takes more time. It is irritating. It is aggravating. But it is the way God said it's got to be done. If my presence is going to come back the way you want it to come back. It is not about our convenience. It is about what is correct, ladies and gentlemen. They're supposed to carry it. We want it on our schedule, our terms. But God is saying, wait a minute, I've got to do it my way. You've got to do it my way. And I'll hurry, and then there's Uzzah, and you know the story, and I don't have time to preach it. The ark goes to fall, and Uzzah goes to prop it up. This is a sermon in, in itself. He tries to support something to stop it. Do y'all know what happened? Anybody want to guess what happened to good old Uzzah? He's just trying to help out. Uzzah is struck by the presence of God. He falls down dead. He was trying to prop up and support methods that were not working. I'm going to tell you, I've seen some churches that they would die by the old methods instead of change things. All they're trying to do is prop up things that God is saying, let it fall. They're trying to resuscitate and keep things alive that God's saying, let it die. There's things in our life that God's saying, just back off and let me be God. Don't try to intervene. Don't try to get in the way of what I'm doing. He goes to prop it up. Oh my goodness. Some things are meant to be resurrected. Other things are meant to be buried. It is part of your past, not of your future. It is your history. It is not your destiny. When Ananias and Sapphire tried to get in the way of what God was doing the correct way, and they tried to do it convenient and said, we're going to sell our land, we're going to lie about it, and, and we're going to lie to the Holy Ghost, we'll keep our money. What happened to Ananias and Sapphire when they did it the wrong way, the convenient way? They died. Did the man of God, Peter, and the apostles say, hold on guys, we're fixing to have a resurrection meeting for Ananias and Sapphire, let us pray. You know what they did with them? He said, take them out and bury them. They're dead. It's dead. You need to let God do what God wants to do. So let me hurry. So here we are. We've got this ark. Somebody struck dead. And while they're arguing about what to do next, how are we going to move into this next season? I mean, here goes the ark. What are we going to do? And David, maybe he's freaking out thinking, my goodness, a man touched it and died. And in the middle of all the fussing and the arguing, there is a man named Obed-Edom. And Obed-Edom said, hey, King David, 
What do you want, Obed-Edom? He says, if you need a place to park the ark, bring it to my house. Oh, this is preaching. I got to quit. If you need a place for the, the presence to be, then I want you to go ahead. You can park the glory at our house. The Bible said that for the next three months, do you know what happened at the house of Obed-Edom once the glory came in? Once the presence was in the house, you know what happened? For the next three months, everything he touched. God bless. He could spit on the ground and a plant would grow. There was nothing this man could do wrong. I want to tell you, I would to God that something would come over the church today. And we would say, God, if you need a place to park your glory, if you need a place for your presence to be, I'm asking you to come to 104 Eden Show. Come to my address. Put your ark in my house. Put your blessing in my house. Hallelujah. We're going to be blessed coming in, going out. Every song in our church when the presence is here is blessed. Every sermon is blessed. Ultimately, everybody is blessed. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to the church. We owe it to the world to scream like Obed-Edom, Holy Spirit, I want you to park right here. I want you to come in this house. When the presence of God comes in a place, dead things come to life. He can raise up dead things. He can take dead dreams. He can resurrect them. Things that were barren. Things that you've tried that weren't working. When the presence comes in the house, all of a sudden you begin bearing fruit. That relationship you're struggling with, whatever the situation, that person you're praying for, whether friend, whether family, and you're struggling, let me tell you something. When the presence of God comes on the scene, are you hearing what I'm telling you? Things that are barren are going to begin bearing fruit, and you're going to see that fruit, and you're going to know it was none other than the glory of God that had entered the place. So David goes and gets the ark. Carries it back to Jerusalem. They don't do it right. They do it convenient. But nonetheless, he finally gets it there. It is Psalm 24 that was written during this time. Put it up there. Psalm 24, 7 through 10. This is what he writes during the ark. Bringing it in. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. Who? What did my text say? They said, who is this. Who is this King of glory? It is the Lord strong and mighty. He is the Lord that is mighty in power. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. I wish somebody would shout, lift up your heads, all ye gates. That means take the lid off. He doesn't fit under your religious threshold anymore. You think you know what God should look like. You think you know how things should go. But in my text, who is this? He is not who they expected him to be. 
He did not act the way they wanted him to act. You cannot walk through these gates and these doors with a proud and arrogant attitude and expect to shake up anything. But when Jesus came into the gates of their city, when the king of glory came in, the whole town got all shook up when he entered the city. I, 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 I want to close with this. I, I got to hurry. I'm, I'm going to close for you here. When Jesus came, he didn't say, Hey guys, I'm the son of almighty God. Bow down and worship me, you peasants. I am greater than you. I see the future. You don't even know what you're having for supper. Many of you don't even know what you had for breakfast. But I am God. Worship me. He didn't come with pride. He didn't come with arrogance. He came like an humble little lamb. And it absolutely shook the religious crowd up. So much that they are asking, who is this? And somebody said, this is Jesus. He is here. The one that we have been waiting for. With all the chaos, with all the problems that are going on in Jerusalem, with all of the headaches and the heartaches, with the Roman government that is cruel, with church people that are so religious, they're not spiritual. They go through the motions. They have church, but we really haven't had church in a long time. But Jesus is finally here. And the place literally begins to get shook up. I'm going to close with this. Can you feel him when he walks in a room? The world doesn't understand spiritual things. God said it is impossible for a man that walks in his flesh to understand anything spiritual. You can't do it. He says those that are spiritual understand spiritual things. That means that God can walk into a carnal church and nobody even know he's there. But those that have been walking in the Spirit, for those that have been praying, for those whose heart is attuned to the God that we serve, that I preached about in the beginning, this great, omnipotent, omniscient, all-knowing God, all-powerful, omnipresent, this God, omnipotent, those that know Him. When He walks in the room, Coy, you know. He just walked. And people are saying, what is this? And we say, oh, it's Jesus. Jesus just got here. Things are about to get shook up. Something is about to happen that will blow your mind. I've been in services. I was growing up. I grew up in church. And, and man, we had some, we call it hoedowns. Anybody know what a hoedown is? Yeehaw, people. 
we shout, we rejoice, we roll on the floor, we pray in the altar, lay on our face, you just name it, we do it. We've kicked devils outdoors, we've swept him out with brooms, we've ran around the church shouting hallelujah. And the community think, what in the world's wrong with these people? I've been in the most craziest of settings that you could ever imagine, ladies and gentlemen. But there's one thing that I often knew. Sure, maybe we got a little emotional sometime, but I've seen people cut flips at ball games. And I've seen dork, uh, Lord help me Jesus, I've seen, I was going to call them dork pods. I've seen people to get out there in the middle of the winter, no shirt, and they paint stuff on their body. Them people are crazy. They are crazy. I've seen people get out there and streak across the field. Or about streak, it looked like. Anyhow, it was bouncing. What in the world? I've seen all kinds of things. I've seen them at the ball game. They're not supposed to be drinking. They bring them little fireballs in and they sit there and gulp them. You say, Pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. Yes, I do. We used to do the concessions. As a matter of fact, I did it before we came here and at at Newry Church of God. We had one guy that was a Georgia game about 10 o'clock at night. He had already been tailgating all day. He was toasted. He came and said, fill it up. I said, what you want? He said, just give me a drink. I gave him a Coke. To which he looked at some two ladies behind him and said, y'all are pretty ladies. He said, I want to buy you a drink. And he said, drinks for everybody. I thought, bro, you ain't at a bar. You're at a ball game. All I know is he handed me $100 and one girl, both of them got a drink. So we end up pocketing about 80 bucks because of his stupidity. I took it gladly to the church, smiled all the way to the bank. What I'm telling you... What I'm telling you is I have seen crazy. And while I know that there's times that we may have been crazy, there's one thing that I learned to recognize from a time I was a little fella. And that was when Jesus walked in the house. I laid under a third pew, this side of the church where the elders are sitting right there. And about where their boy is, I laid right there around that area. And I knew when Jesus walked in the house. Because all of a sudden I'd hear Bert Nogan, he's stomping on that wood floor. She's about 80 years old. But when the spirit got on her, that little woman just danced a little bit right across that front, speaking in tongues. And I'm sitting there, a little boy, and I'm just looking at her in view, and I just grin and go back to sleep. But I knew that Jesus had entered the house. What I am telling you is God help us in this generation of a dead lethargic church and people that are half committed to God. Lord, help us not to fail to recognize like Saul, the ark has been moved. But like David, we've got to say, God, we don't know where it is, but we're going to get it. And we're going to pray until he comes. We're going to read our Bible until he comes. We're going to praise until he comes. But whatever the case, give us the presence of God back. All right, I'm done. When he, when he enters the building, the atmosphere changes. Sleepy eyes wake up. Dead heads come alive. True worship starts going up as a sweet-smelling fragrance ascends up to God. Today, before you leave this building, I want to know one thing. Has his presence shaken up anything inside of your life? Have we prayed enough to be discerning enough? Have we been in contact in the spirit enough to realize when he walks in the room, 
Genesis 28, 16. This is my last verse and I'm closing. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep. This is Bethel. I preached it a month or so back, maybe a couple. He awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. Do y'all see this? He said, and I wasn't even aware of it. The God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. I still quote it. I still preach it. But even Jacob got so wrapped up in his flesh and carnality and so distracted by everything that's going on in his life. A brother chasing him. I mean, he's been a conniver his whole life. He's been a deceiver. Laban can't stand him. This guy has been through a lot of stuff. And this guy is so preoccupied with life that he said, God showed up last night and gave me a vision. I saw angels ascending and descending. And when I woke up, I didn't even realize... God was right here. Is anybody with me today? Please, please, please don't let us get the church of God. Leave services when God said I was right there. But you didn't notice me. I was right there. But you didn't see me. You remember his disciples when he said, when you give water and this and that and the other, and when I was hungry, you fed me when I was thirsty, you gave me drink, to which, Jesus, to which the disciples responded to him and said, Lord, we've never seen you hungry and we've never seen you thirsty. When did we do these things to you? He said, when you've done it to other people, you've, to the least of these, you've done it unto me. They didn't even recognize. Sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we miss it. Go to the piano, Susan, please. Or Sandra, whoever's up here. Sometimes you find yourself in storms. And sometimes you don't even realize that in the middle of your storm, His presence was there. The disciples, I mentioned this a few weeks back, they're in the middle of a storm. They just left Jesus. They've just talked to him, right? And he said, hey, we're going to the other side, all right? Get in the boat, go. I'm going to go pray, do whatever. I'll see you on the other side. To which Jesus is walking. He's over here. He prays. But while Jesus is away, a storm comes up, right? Y'all remember this story. They are out there. They are rowing for their life. They feel like they are about to die. But Jesus started walking on the water. You remember it? And when they saw him, they thought he was a... Did you see that? It's a ghost! Sometimes we're in so much chaos in our life. That when Jesus shows up, we don't even recognize him. We have been attacked by the enemy for so long. That every time he tries to show up, we thought, there's another devil. It's another demon. It's another ghost. It's another evil spirit. Because we've gotten used to the storm. 
But God says, look again. And the way that they recognize him is by not what he looks like, but what he sounds like. When he says to them, in the middle of their storm, he says to them, it is and immediately their eyes were open and they knew that he was the Lord. They knew that Jesus had showed up. And I'm telling somebody today that in the middle of the storm, it is not the devil there to shake up things, but God is about to shake some things in your life. He's going to shake some things loose in your life. You've got to recognize it is him. It is him. Let's all stand. I'll close today. Jesus, I praise you. I praise you. So I read my text to you. Who is this? They say, oh, it's Jesus. He showed up and he showed who he was. Because if I had time, I would go on down to verse 13. And I would show you where Jesus showed up at. He showed up in the temple. Yes, that is a church house. Jesus went to the temple. And when he gets there, there's people selling doves. Do you know what the dove represents? When Jesus was baptized of John in the Jordan, the Bible said the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. The dove represented the Holy Spirit. And they're in there just selling frivolously in the house of God. And something stirs up in Jesus. And he says, I'm about to shake things up in here. I'm sick of this. He grabs a whip. We talk about righteous anger. This is called be angry and sin not. Jesus had a righteous anger. He grabbed his whip and he started swinging it at those people like a bunch of cows. They running out in the temple. My Lord, what in the world? This is a crazy man. He gets their table. He starts flipping over the money. Can y'all even imagine? This is Jesus. Who is this? It's Jesus. He's throwing tables over. And the Bible says that those doves, they are released. And they start flying around that temple. And God said, this is exactly what I want. See, Simon the sorcerer's already told Peter, you're laying hands on people, you're healing the sick. Let me buy this power from you. And he said, Simon, your money perish with you. You cannot buy the gift of God. The doves are released. The Spirit of God is flying around the church again. The temple got all shook up, ladies and gentlemen. Everywhere Jesus goes, the place is shaken. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost came in suddenly like a mighty rushing wind. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas are in jail. But the Bible said when the Spirit came, the jailhouse began to what? It began to shake until the prison door swung open. When I read in my Bible of the church in Acts chapter 4, they are praying and they're saying, God, we need boldness. We want to lay hands on the sick. We want them to be healed. We want them to recover. We want to operate like Jesus operated. And after they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together, the place where they were gathered together was literally shaken.
Some of you years ago, and I love Ruby. Ruby's here. She's back there. Some of you, you older saints. When I come here, it was kind of funny, but they told me, they said, the Spirit of God moved in that old church over there. I said, well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. They said, oh, no, you don't understand. The foundation moved on the old church over there. I thought, what? One of them said, we had somebody go under there and the foundation was literally moved. We were having a Holy Ghost service one night and they checked the foundation literally was moved. Now, I'm not praying today. We've done so many repairs and we just got finished with $70,000 worth of damages from Lightman. We've been shook up enough with the elements, all right? Don't you love the lights today? Aren't they pretty up above your head? You can see today. Brand new. God's good. What I'm trying to tell you is if God doesn't literally shake the place, whatever, that's fine. What I'm praying is for a shaking in our spirits. I am praying for something to quake inside of us. I'm praying that God would come in the house and if we've been living lukewarm, that God would shake us up and say, boy, it's time for you to get back on your knees. If you're struggling with something today, I want God to come in and shake you up and say you have been delivered. You have been set free. In the name of Jesus, God, shake this place. Somebody Give him praise today. I'm done. I am so done. Today, there's some of you in this house. You know what I'm preaching about. You know what I'm talking about. If a man has once followed God and he turns away from God, it is as if that man is like a dog that is returning to his vomit. How can a man that has felt, I'm quoting scripture pretty much, the presence of God and the power of God and felt the Holy Ghost inside of them? How in the world can they turn away from it and walk away as if it were nothing? So for some of you today, you have no idea what I'm talking about. May God let you experience what I'm preaching about and you understand my lingo. But for those of us that have, how can we know what it feels like to have His presence so strong in a house that we couldn't get up off our face? How can we come week after week, month after month, year after year, and we don't even have one encounter like that. When used to it happened all the time. How can we who know what the Spirit feels like? How can we walk out the door as if it's nothing? I did my duty. I went to church this morning. I'll see you next Sunday, preacher. God help us shake this place. Father. I thank you for your holy word. I thank you for who you are. Shake me up. Shake me up. From the top of my head to the very sole of my feet. Help me to never get to a place that I fail to recognize when you're in the room. Forgive me for the times that I have missed it. Forgive me as a leader for the times that I have not been sensitive enough to your spirit to know when you were trying to say something or do something. Forgive us, Lord, as a congregation for getting complacent. 
I'm asking you to shake us up again. I'm asking you to let the Holy Spirit fill us in a way that we've never been filled before. Empower us to do the work of an evangelist. Empower us to reach out to a lost and dying world so that souls can be saved and changed for your kingdom. Today the altar is open. I'm going to close. If you feel like you want to pray, you're more than welcome to come today. It doesn't matter. You may not need anything. You just want a time with God. That's what this is. I'm going to give you a few minutes just to come and talk to God today. Whatever the need is, it may not even be for you. It may be somebody else you're interceding for, but these altars are open. Sing it, Brian. Sing that song. I trust in, in God. God. I trust in God. My Savior, Savior the one who never fails. He will never fail. Oh, I trust in God. I trust in God. My
Blessed assurance. Blessed assurance, Jesus. Jesus is mine. He is mine. He's been my footman in the fire, time after time. Born of his I sought the Lord, and He heard. 
shake that thing up shake it up for our good change it Father blessed assurance watch this Jesus is mine he's been my fourth man in the fire time after time I'm born of his spirit In his, blood. in his blood, what he did on me for Calvary, and what, what he did for me on Calvary is more than enough. We're about to close, but I want to sing it one more time. Oh, oh I, I trust in God, my today and I'm asking you that you would help us all to take it to heart who is this we recognize who he is we know who he is he's entered the atmosphere has changed his name is Jesus today I'm asking you Jesus to enter into our homes 
I'm asking you, Jesus, to enter into our church. Today we welcome you. Just like David welcomed the ark back, the ark of the covenant, the presence back, we welcome you. Park at our house. Park at our church. Every time we walk through the doors of our house, every time we walk through the doors of our church, even when we go to the workplace, we want to carry the Holy Spirit with us. Empower your people. Let us be the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. Empower your children. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost to overcome all evils in this world, all temptations in this world. All of our weaknesses, make them our strength in Jesus' name. We are overcomers. We are more powerful than the enemy, not by ourselves, but because of you, Jesus. And through you and with you, we will win the victory. Somebody shout amen. Next Sunday, keep playing Sandra. Next Sunday will be church joining and baptism on family day. If you are interested in being baptized, you please come prepared for the end of the service. I realize as much as I sweat, if I'll preach like this next week, it won't matter if the water's cold. We figured out this week our heater's not working. Man plans and God laughs. And I said last week, we were preaching, my old man, he got baptized in the water. We used to go to the river. Well, God said, I'll show you, buddy. So I talked to one of my ladies getting baptized. She said, I'm good with it. I do ice baths. I don't. <laughs> but guess what? We're going to try to have it anyhow. And I'm hot right now. I could dive in a water or swimming pool, so I'm feeling pretty good. So just know if you come next week, I cannot promise you exactly how hot the water's going to be, but we're going to cut it on hot that morning, let it run some, Brian, get it at least lukewarm if we can, and we're going to have a baptism. I haven't been to the river in a long time, so this will feel like it. Oh, hallelujah. All right. So baptism next week, join in. We also have Fall Festival next Sunday evening. That is October 29th from 5 to 7.30. Listen up. If you'd like to donate baked goods for the cakewalk at the festival next week, there's going to be some of our young people on the porch. They're going to have a sign-up sheet. Tell them what cake you're going to do. Sarah's going to be handling that. And so they'll write your name down, and you just bring it next Sunday, October 29th at 5 o'clock for the cakewalk. Operation Christmas Child Boxes are available for packing. You pick yours up today in the foyer hallway. If you go out and turn right, right there in the hallway, you'll see them. There's boxes stacked up about this high. If they run out, Dylan, the guy with the red beard back there, he'll run down there. He's our youth pastor here, Hillary. They'll be sure to get you some if you need them. There's more downstairs, so we got a plenty. All you do is you package that thing. You, he'll have a flyer and give you what you're supposed to buy for each kid, different ages. You pick the kids you want, boy or girl, age that you want. You pack that shoebox as full as you can. Make sure it still will close, though, and return it by November the 12th will be our deadline, but you can bring it before then. Everybody got that? God's good, isn't he? If you love him today, give Jesus some praise in the house. God bless you. Oh, I trust in God.